So that last song we sang, It Is Well. You know the story behind that song, that it was a, sto- that it was a song written out of deep anguish and adversity. The author of that song wrote that knowing that his wife and children had perished on a trip across the seas. And as he got word of that, the words that we sang over and over and over again was, it is well with my soul. And it expresses that deep confidence in God no matter what is going on in life. And I think that there are many of us in this um, in this room right now that have that it is well moment going on. That moment where we'd rather not, but here we are. And I thought we'd start out uh, this, uh, this morning with a prayer for those that are in there. it is well moment. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, there, there are so many of us that have in our own personal lives or those who are close to us in our families or our friends that are going through difficulties, whether it's a difficulty of finances, a difficulty of health, a difficulty of, a, of an unknown future. Father, I pray, Lord, that your presence would be upon them. God, that they would know that no matter what comes, Father, that they have a confidence in Christ that will not be taken away. Father, for those who are in need of healing, God, we ask for healing. God, for those who are in need of hope, God, we ask, Lord, that you give them hope and new mercies every morning. Father, for those that are in need of just encouragement, God, let this serve as an encouragement that we are in this together. Father, that we are are bound together through Christ, and it's in Christ that we have all of this hope, and we hang our hats on that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you guys, we have been in this series of the life of Samson. And, you know, one of the things that I find myself doing is, go, you know, when I read the, the account of Samson, I kind of start cheering. You know, maybe he'll get it right. You know, maybe it'll change. You know, it, I know it's not. But, you know, there, there's that part of you that kind of just starts going, you know, I really wish this thing would change. And you might have some people in your life that are like that. You're like, I just wish this person would change. Or you get up and you look in the mirror and you go, I just wish that I could change. And so when we started out on the first week, that was two weeks ago, we talked about attitudes that make, make strong men weak. They're attitudes of, of lust, entitlement, and pride. And we said the answer to those things active in our life is passion, gratitude, and, and reliance. And that's our desire is to seek to grow in attitudes that make weak men strong. So with lust, that idea, that insatiable, I want, we see something, we want it. We, we want to have an, an item, a person, a thing, whatever it is. We have this unsatiable desire, a misplaced desire for something. The replacement the godly thought process about I want is saying that I want God because our pursuit of anything other than God is idolatry. Our pursuit of anything other than God in a way that dishonors God, that's sin. 
So would we replace that idea of I want with I want God? Because that unchecked feeling of I want then leads us into the next one, which is entitlement that says I deserve. I not only want this, I deserve this because I worked the hours, I put in the time, I've done the things. Don't you know who I am? I deserve it. And then as we look into the Scriptures, we find out, yeah, there's about one thing that we actually deserve. And that one thing that we deserve is death. Because our sins separate us from God. And those sins can't be undone by any good deed. Those sins can only be made right through Jesus Christ. So we all deserve death. So this idea that we deserve something other than that is false. But that I I want, that turns into I deserve, turns into I can handle it. Pride says that I can handle anything that comes in front of me because I am built different. I am stronger, I am faster, I am sleeker, I am meaner. I can handle it. But what we understand over the long haul of our lives and in the throes of something that is difficult, that I can handle it often turns into I can't. And the Christian perspective is I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. So how do we replace those attitudes of lust, entitlement, and pride? And as you recall, we said a good place to start is in how we grow in our faith. We did a series on that just a little bit ago, and we said, listen, if you give God the first few minutes of your day and the first few dollars of your pay, that there will be something that happens inside you. There'll be a change in that grip that these things have on you. For you to be able to grow out of lust, entitlement, and pride, you need to prioritize God in your life. Spend your first few minutes, open your Bible, your first few minutes praying to your Heavenly Father. The first few minutes, the first few dollars. So last week we talked about emotions, and we figured out, you know what, emotions and pride, emotions... And attitudes can sometimes have the same name because then we found out that we were talking about pride once more. And what we found out about Samson, though, was something that was interesting but not unfamiliar. Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. And those of us that struggle with that whole thing of pride say, you know what, I've got this, so I'm not driven by my emotions. I am rational. I've got this. But when we get in that place, that moment where we feel like we don't have any other option, when our back's against the wall, when, when all of our resources seem depleted, when someone has challenged us, not only have they challenged us, but they kind of questioned our intelligence. They said, are you sure about your purpose? That doesn't sound like much of a plan. They challenge your commitment. In those moments, gentlemen, when you're in the car and that navigation plan that you had gets questioned, what's the response? Yes, dear. No, your response is, I've got this. 
I know something that GPS doesn't know, <laughs> right? And we have these emotions that happen. And truly what happens, tr- honestly, the first response that comes out of us when we are challenged, we feel like we have no choice, is anger. And anger takes a strong man down. Samson burned with anger. And he burned with anger on people that had nothing to do, nothing to do with the wager that he had placed. They had nothing to do with anything that was going on at that festival, that feast. He made a wager and he didn't have anything to back it up. He boasted and thought that he was smarter, better, faster, stronger. And to settle his debt, he resorted to murderous action. And then we learned if anger takes a strong man down, then pride also takes a strong man down. Because those insecurities, that chipping away, the saying, are you sure? Are you good enough? Can you be? Those insecurities, they grow. They grow into pride. And pride makes us do things, especially when we don't feel we are respected. Our pride grows and it develops fruit in our life, fruit of bitterness, fruit of jealousy, fruit of arrogance. So we said, what's the answer to this? If, if these emotions of anger and pride just kind of wreak havoc all over my life, then what's the solution? Paul said, I do things I don't want to do, and I'm a wretched person. But he also said this, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He recognized there's a war going on inside each one of us, and he says, listen, if you learn to walk by the Spirit, you will then later in verse 22 of that same chapter find out that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we said, listen, if you're living with pride, what comes out of you is not any of those things. And then we ask the question, what drives you? Is it your emotions or is it the Spirit? What drives you? Jesus is the answer, right? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So as we left Samson last week, he was in this little childish moment. He was in this moment where he said, I'm so thirsty, I'm about to die. And he may have been, but there he was with the heaps of people that he had just struck down in his own anger and jealousy and pride and all of these things that he was following after. And he cried out to God, and he said, God, I'm so thirsty, I'm about to die. And he didn't say, oh, God, how great are you that I know you will supply my need. He said, oh, God, how great am I that you would let me perish. And in that moment, Samson is still driven by a deep need. If he does not have this drink, he will die. And God splits open a rock. And out from that rock, water flows. Scripture says that when Samson drank, his spirit returned, and he was revived. 
And we think maybe, okay, there, there's this point where people need to hit their lowest, right? They need to hit their absolute lowest rock bottom. And maybe at the base of this rock that was Samson's rock bottom, maybe he learned his lesson because God met him in his deepest, lowest need and gave him what he absolutely needed. And so Samson revived takes his role as he was before as a buffer between Israel and the Philistines, a buffer between his people and the ones to the south. Scripture says that he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. I don't know about you, but if you do something for 20 years, you probably got it down, right? If, if he's judging and he's doing these things, he's probably on the right track, I mean, there's peace between the nations. Samson stands as a buffer between Israel, the ones who are following God, and the Philistines who are following false gods. They didn't have to bend their knees to the Philistines. And they were able to worship God and follow God in peace. And this is that moment where I'm cheering before I turn that page and I say, maybe Samson's problems are behind him. Maybe he learned his lesson. Maybe at that rock he learned his lesson and he discovered that he wasn't the hero of the story, that God was the hero of the story. Surely for 20 years, he wasn't just ignoring the distance that was growing between him and God. Surely for 20 years, he wasn't just kind of covering it up with some sort of false religiosity, some kind of false leadership. Surely, surely 20 years is a long run. It's enough time to put some stuff in perspective, right? But what we're about to see, we're about to see Samson go from a strong man to a laughing stock. We're about to, to see a strong and able man be blinded and shackled. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, one day, Samson went to Gaza. One day. That can bring a lot of trouble. One day, as we get a little lazy and we maybe get a little bored, that can turn into trouble. We see in the scriptures that one day, even though it didn't just happen in that moment, one day destroyed King David with Bathsheba. One day, Samson went into Gaza. He went away from his home. We've seen this before. We've read this before. He went away from his home, away from his people. One day, he went 25 miles down into Philistine lands to their headquarters, to the place where all of them were there in leadership. And while he was there, he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. 
There he was. He was just strolling along, looking at the marketplace, at the goods, at the things, and he was in a place that he shouldn't have been. And then he saw someone he should not have seen. And here he is, he thinks, you know what? This is harmless. Hardly. How is it that we get to the edge of such bad decisions? How is it that dangers close in on our lives? How is it that these dangers just kind of cinch in on our families? Things like this happen every single day. Countless moments, decisions that we make, that we decide, you know what, they're never going to catch up to me. This isn't going to catch me. Besides, in these decisions, I mean, I don't want to brag, but I'm going to brag, right? I'm too smart. I've got this figured out. Besides, that other person, they weren't very careful, but I'm really careful. What I'm doing, it's not hurting anyone until it does. 25 miles, that's 56,250 steps, give or take. 56,000 steps, 25 miles to the south. An addiction, an affair, it all starts with just a harmless glance. That thought of just one, it turns into several. That listen, I deserve it, splurge, can turn into crippling debt. The problem was, the problem for us is that we're smart enough and we thought we could handle it. But pride, arrogance, lust, anger, and entitlement invade our steps. Even in the midst of being and doing what we know we should do and what we know, who we know we should be, in the midst of that, these things keep coming in and invading, and we still keep the same attitude about it all. We say, I've got this. The Gazites, they were told that Samson had come here. Hey, listen, guys, uh, we don't know if you know, but Samson kind of meandered his way down, and he has come into the city, and he is over there. And so they surrounded the place, and they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait until the light of morning, and then we're going to kill him. The consequences of Samson's decisions were waiting for the light of day. 
The consequences of our bad decisions can be waiting for the light of day. Now, Samson was sure of one thing, is that he, he was sure of his strength, and he was sure that he had gotten out of every danger that he had been placed in. He's sure. He was so sure of his strength that he was not aware of the danger that would come out of his steps. And so what did he do? He does what we do. Samson taunted his enemies. He stood right on the edge and said, you're not going to get me. But Samson, he laid till midnight. And at midnight he arose and he took hold of the doors and the gate of the city and he pulled the two po- pulled the, in the post and he pulled them up, bar and all. And he put them on his shoulder and he carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now, we know this about Samson, that he's a strong man, that he does some amazing things. These, these doors, they're over 700 pounds. These doors are nothing but heavy. These doors are more than just doors. They symbolize the strength, the source of security of Gaza, the security of the Philistines. And as a result, he had once again started to pick a fight with the enemy. But he does exactly what we do. We, under, we often underestimate our enemy. We often say, you know what? There's no harm, no harm if my girlfriend stays the night. It's, it's okay I, if, if you click that link, if you visit that site. It's all right to place a bet. I've got this under control. It's okay to try it for the first time because no one, No one gets addicted on the first time. Paul warns the church in Corinth to not to, um, in this, he says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. What is that? That saying, pride comes before the fall. And so we need to be mindful that we aren't standing in a spot where we feel that we are better than we are, that we're stronger, smarter, faster than we are. Be careful because you may fall. Check yourself. Whose strength do you rely on? Whose strength do you rely on in any given situation? Is it yours? Whose strength do you rely on in the day-to-day? Most of us will say, for the easy stuff, until it gets too hard, I tell God, I've got this. But Samson does exactly what we do. Samson rationalized the same old sin. Because last time he didn't get hurt. Last time he didn't get caught. Last time no one knew. 
Samson said, I didn't get hurt. I escaped without getting caught. And you know what that did for him? It kept him walking on the same old, tired path. Samson rationalized his sin, and he kept walking in it. Scripture says after this, after this show of strength and feet in Gaza at the hill of Hebron, after this he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. There's a theme with this guy, right? Whose name was Delilah, and she was delightful, right? Same story. He's looking to satisfy his own desires far away from home, far away from the people that keep him accountable, far away from the people that point him to God. You see kind of what's going on here? Same story. Far from home, selfish desires, somewhere he shouldn't be with someone he should not be with. And the lords of the Philistines came up to Delilah and they said, Hey, Delilah, we think it's great that you got this thing going on with Samson. We got a proposition for you seduce him. We want you to use everything you've got to see where his great strength lies. And more than that, we, we, don't, we, we want to see where his strength comes from, but we want to know how can we overpower him. Because as Philistines, you know this, Delilah, he has been wreaking havoc on our people. How can we overpower him so that we can bind him and humble him. Delilah, we want to show him that he can't make sport of us forever. And Delilah, listen, we're going to make it worth your while. Each one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. There will be a good payday. So Delilah, taking this in, she says to Samson, please, pretty please, tell me where your great strength lies. Tell me how your great strength, where your great strength lies and how is it that you can be bound. And once you're bound... How can we make sure that you can't get up? And I think in that moment, we see and we go, Samson, are you dense? This is a pretty straightforward request, right? Hey, um, listen, how do you get your power and how can I take you down? Is basically what she's saying. How dense is this man? Or maybe the better question is, how arrogant is he? How prideful is he? How driven by his own selfish desires is he? Because we like to think, and anytime we read the scriptures and we know what's going to happen or we find out what happened and we got to go, oh yeah, you know, I'd have seen that. <laughs> How would it be if every temptation that you faced going down the wrong road was as clear as that? You want to say you'd steer clear, but are you sure? 
So here's what he tells her. He says, listen, here's, here's, how, here's how this works, okay? You take seven bowstrings and make sure that they've not been dried out. And if you bind me up with those, I'll be as weak as any man. And, you know, that'll be over for me. She tries that. It doesn't work. He, he breaks the bond. She says, you know, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks them and he's free. And he's dense. And he says, she says, listen, that wasn't it. So what is it? He says, seven ropes, just seven ropes. If you bind me with those, I won't be able to get out of it, and I'll be as weak as any man. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks them. And there she is going, what? She says, listen, that's not it. Shoot straight with me, Skippy. He says, seven braids. If you braid my hair into seven braids, and then you take that hair and you weave it into a weaver's loom with fabric, and you pin it in there, and you tighten it down, this one is teetering on the truth. If you do that, then I'll be as weak as any man. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He comes to, wakes up, and he breaks out. Hair all in a weave breaks out. And every time he wakes up, he sees the game of foot, and he gets free with his strength intact. So she says to him, how can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me. How can you say I love you when you lie to me, is what she's saying. How can you say that you love me if you're not going to shoot straight? You've mocked me these three times. And you've not told me where your great strength lies. Scripture says that she pressed him with her words. Day after day. You're like, we've seen this before. He pre- she pressed him with her words day after day, and she urged him, tell me the truth. How can you say you love me if you don't tell me the truth? And she urged him, and she vexed him to death. He said, if I hear this one more time, I'm going to die. Right? Samson a man who is strong enough to tear a lion into pieces, to kill 1,000 people with the jawbone of a donkey, to carry a 700-pound door up a hill, is not strong enough to resist constant pressure. He's not strong enough to resist when he's pressured by this woman. What we can learn from that is who you spend time with matters. What we hear day in and day out matters. The daily pressure builds. The message we hear builds. The daily advances of all kinds of messages begin to sap our strength. It sapped his strength and his soul was depleted so much so that he wanted 
to die because of the pressure, because of the force, because of the constant attack. And so, and so he told her all his heart. He bore his soul to her. He spoke with honesty, with emotion. Maybe at this moment it's just leave me alone kind of emotion, but he spoke to her with honesty and emotion. And he says, listen, here's how it goes. A razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God since I was in my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength, it will leave me, and I shall come like any other man. And he finishes with, you happy now? And she says, yes, thank you very much. Because Delilah saw that he had told her with all his heart. So she sent to the leaders of the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up again. Because he has told me with all his heart. So then the lords of the Philistines, they came up to her with their money in their hands. Imagine this bedroom. Night after night, she lulls him to sleep in. Imagine as he's asleep, these men entering in the bedroom with bags of money in their hands just to see if this strong man will become weak. She made him sleep on her knees, lulled to sleep, comforted by the very one that would deliver him to destruction. And so she calls a man over. And had him shave off those seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him. And his strength left him. But Samson is in the same spot we are. He never assumed his disobedience would cost him. We never assume that that step away from the things that God would have us do will cost us. So she screams out, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And in that moment, they dropped their money bags and grabbed their swords just in case this didn't work. He woke from his sleep and he said, I will get out as the other times and I will shake myself free. Just like every other time that I didn't get caught, this time isn't going to be any different. But he didn't know that his strength had left him. And the Philistines, they seized him. They gouged out his eyes, and they brought him to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze shekels. And he ground the mill in prison. But Samson helps us to know this too. Samson didn't just ruin his life all at once. It was one step at a time. So where are you stepping away from God?
Where are you taking that one step of several that will lead you miles from home? Is it in an undisciplined life that you don't take seriously the need for you to grow in your faith, to be a good provider, to be a person that is dependable and trustworthy? Is it in uncontrolled anger? Is it in lust? You see what you don't have and you want it. And you decide to take it. That's greed. Is it gambling? Is it addiction? Is it, is it not doing what you're supposed to do, even though you know you should do it? Is it passivity? Have you grown passive in your pursuit of God? Have you grown passive in the leadership of your family? Have you grown passive in your quest to do well at work? Is it workaholism? That you decided you just kind of push yourself more into work and ignore everything else? Is it lying? Is it putting yourself in a situation where you're never on time, always a little bit late? Maybe not with time, but maybe with the product you're supposed to deliver. Maybe with the promise you intended to keep. Maybe right now, you still have long hair. Maybe your hair is still long, but your heart it's drifted. You're only as strong as you are honest. So are you stepping in the wrong direction, headed toward the wrong things? If that is the case, turn around. Stop. Turn around. Be honest. Don't be like the writer of Proverbs that says that you will return. But here's the thing. The Scripture continues, and it says this. The hair of his head, it began to grow after it had been shaved. Just because you were down just because you found yourself in a place that's far from home in a place doing things that you should not do does not mean that you are out. It means that there needs to be change because great things can happen and there is hope in Christ. All you need to do is turn around. Another word for that, a church word for that is repent. Repent. Turn around. Get out. Then don't go back. Or you'll find yourself being, like the proverb said, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. The answer to making your steps go toward home versus away is found in the same place we did last week. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you'll follow the Spirit, if you'll walk that road, 
If you'll take those steps, the ones that lead to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if you'll walk that road listening to what the Spirit says in you versus what your emotions say all around you, you'll take one step toward Jesus and another and another and another. Seek to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Would you take a step towards Jesus today?